The Old Testament reading for this 19th Sunday after Pentecost comes from Genesis chapter 32. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children and crossed the fort of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God. The epistle comes from Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapters 3 and 4. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to keep you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearance and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching eyes, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. This is the word of of the Lord. Thanks be to God. according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, 
Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you noticed, I'm sure you have, noticed that it's getting dark earlier. Uh, it seems like every day I comment because the afternoon as it wears on, the light is beautiful outside, the trees are turning color, uh, the light comes down our street, everything looks so wonderful. And then it seems like 10 minutes later, it's dark outside. It's only 7 p.m. <laughs> but uh, more dark is coming. It's going to get dark earlier. In a couple of weeks, daylight savings time ends, and uh, the darkness is coming. For Jesus and his followers in our gospel reading today, the darkness is coming. It's going to get really dark for them. We're not talking about the tilt of the earth. We're not talking about the changing of the seasons. Jesus and his disciples are traveling and in our text today here he's getting near Jericho which is near Jerusalem and in the next chapter of Luke he will enter Jerusalem for the last time. The cross and its darkness are looming for Jesus. And if we go back a chapter from our reading today, back into Luke 17, we find that the Pharisees have asked Jesus a question. Just when will the kingdom of God come, they ask. And Jesus takes this opportunity to say that the kingdom of God is not going to come in ways that can be seen not in ways that they are expecting it to come. You won't be able to point it out. It isn't heralded with pomp and circumstance, with flags and brass band and red carpet and legions of angels. I read just a little, little bit ago that the coronation of King Charles III is coming up. I expected it to be here in October, maybe November. No, it's going to be May, May 6th. And it's going to include a lot of pomp and circumstance and trumpets and flags and brass band. The kingdom of God, Jesus says, comes quietly. And then he says to his disciples and to his followers here that dark days are coming when you will wish to see the glory of the Son of Man and you won't be able to because Jesus is going to the cross. And before Jesus and the disciples can experience the glory and the light of Easter morning, they'll have to endure the darkness, the depression of Good Friday, the agony of crucifixion. 
because Jesus' pathway to glory and light is through darkness and suffering. And Jesus knows that this is what's in store for the church as well. Days of persecution, days of darkness, days when the preaching of God's word, as Paul says, will be out of season, when people will not endure sound teaching, when they'll turn away from the truth and wander off into myths. Days are coming when the church will have to endure suffering. And Christians will wish they could see the coming of Jesus, one of the days of the Son of Man, Jesus says, which is referring, of course, to the coming day when the, the Lord comes in glory to enact that final resurrection, the vindication of his people. But although we wish for it, we cannot make it come before its time. And our cry today as a church echoes the cry of the souls under the altar in heaven. How long, O Lord? And so Luke records today in our gospel reading some encouraging words that Jesus has for his disciples as they're nearing Jerusalem. And these words are for the church at large, for us as well. And he tells them a parable, it says, to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And so Jesus tells this parable of an unjust judge, one who doesn't fear God, one who doesn't care about what people think. And there's a widow who keeps coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. And in order to understand this parable fully, we have to really think about and understand the plight of the widow. She has no one. She has no husband anymore. No one to connect her to society. No one to provide for her needs. No one who is earning the income for the household. Apparently she doesn't have a son who's taking care of her either. Nowhere to turn when injustice is done to her except to the courts, except to this judge. And God's law in Leviticus very clearly says, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. But this judge, we're told, is an unrighteous judge. He doesn't fear God and he doesn't care about his neighbor. Apparently, he's only in it for himself just to line his own pockets regardless of who gets trampled in the process. And for a while, he refuses to help this poor widow, we can assume, because she has nothing to give him. No bribe, right? Doesn't do him any good, and so he just puts her aside. But she keeps coming to him, asking him to do what obviously should be done to give her justice. And finally, he says to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this woman, this widow, keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming, so that she'll stop coming here. I'll do what she says. What a terrible judge. 
He's not fulfilling his God-given mandate to be impartial. He doesn't care to help this poor woman just because she can't do anything for him. If a rich man had come needing justice from an adversary, or even if a rich man had come needing injustice against somebody, you know that he would have been all over it. He would have cleared his calendar. So when the people of Israel go to the ballot box to vote in the next election, they should just check that box next to his name that says, shall not be retained. Jesus tells this little story to set up this contrast. He says, hear what the unrighteous judge says. See, we're supposed to be outraged by the treatment of the poor widow. But Jesus says, notice that she got what she needed from that judge. Even this unrighteous judge gave her justice, albeit grudgingly. Now we are to see ourselves in this story as the widow, as the needy one who needs justice. We are the helpless widow. We cry out to God day and night with our prayers and our petitions. And we don't have a God like this judge. We don't have a God who is self-serving. We have a God who is self-giving. The judge in Jesus' parable put out as little as he could. He had no love for the widow. But God, on the other hand, loves you very much. Loves us so much that he would send his son to become a human being, to be born of a young virgin girl and walk the earth, healing our diseases and casting out Satan, and then suffer and die on the cross. Give his life as a ransom to buy us back to God, shedding his blood so that all of our sins can be forgiven. That's how much God loves you. The unrighteous judge had no investment in the widow, in her problems, but God is all in. He is all over it. God has invested everything. Verse 7 of our gospel reading says, And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? To his elect. And the, the Greek word there for elect is the eklektone. The eklektone. And it means the specially chosen ones. You are God's specially chosen one. His elect if you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. You are specially chosen by God, and not because you are so very beautiful or handsome, although I have to say you are, not because you are so talented, not because we have anything to offer to God. That's not why God selected us, chose us specially. We are like that widow. We bring nothing to the table. We have nothing to offer God. Nothing that would turn his eye toward us. We are God's elect. We are his chosen ones simply by his grace. And we're crying out because 
we see what's happening in our life, we see what's happening in the world around us, wars and rumors of wars, famine, persecution for Christians. We see people out for themselves, taking what they can from others, great injustice. We see people afflicted by disease. We see people trapped in poverty. And we cry out to God. And sometimes we don't see God working. We pray for healing and it doesn't happen. We pray for a restored relationship and it doesn't happen. We pray for financial relief and it doesn't come. We pray for our building project and work seems to stop. We pray for our nation, for a renewed interest and faith in God and things only seem to get worse. And we get discouraged. God seems to be ignoring our pleas and we're tempted to throw in the towel, tempted to give it up, to think that God doesn't care about us. doesn't care about whatever hurtful or hard thing we're going through. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily because God did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. And how will he not also along with him give us all things? as Paul writes in Romans 8. Jesus is saying that God is far better to us than the unrighteous judge was to the widow. We can persist in our prayers because we know who God is and we know what he's done for us and we know that he loves us. And if you doubt that, just look at the cross. We can continue to bring our requests to God knowing that he is going to act for our good in all circumstances. I found some really good quotes uh, from a pastor's sermon on our gospel text that I want to share with you this morning. This pastor preached a long time ago these words are about 1,600 years old. St. Augustine of Hippo, and that's in modern-day Algeria. I had to look it up. He preached this sermon around 400 A.D. And in here, uh, I just excerpted some quotes that have to do with our reading this morning. He says, What greater encouragement to prayer than the parable which is proposed to us of the unjust judge? What greater encouragement can to prayer? If he, the judge, then heard her prayer who hated to be asked, the judge hated to be asked, but he heard her prayer, how must he hear who exhorts us to ask? The judge hated to hear the woman, but he heard her and he helped her. God longs for you to pray to him. God exhorts you, ask me. Ask and it will be given to you. He wants us to pray. So how much more will he hear our prayers? If faith fail, prayer perishes. 
If faith fail, prayer perishes. For who prays for that which he does not believe? But rather, faith pours out prayer. And the pouring out of prayer obtains and strengthens our faith. I really like that one. Faith pours out prayer. He says like a fountain. Faith pours out prayer. And the pouring out of prayer to God obtains the strengthening of our faith. They work together. Our prayer, these are not Augustine's words now, our prayer flows from faith. We believe that we have a God who hears us when we pray. We believe He loves us. We believe that He will work good for us. And so we pray. And as we pray, as we make prayer our habit, our faith is strengthened. Jesus says that God will give justice to his elect. And what is that promise of justice for us sinners? Our system calls justice fairness, giving one what one deserves. And Luther actually suffered much terror in the thought that God might just give him what he deserved. And we too must recognize that what we deserve as sinners before a holy and righteous God would be nothing but his wrath and punishment. By rights, according to justice, according to fairness, we deserve nothing good from God because of our sin. But Luther rejoiced to discover that the justice of God is in fact that by which he justifies sinners. God calls us righteous, makes us righteous on account of the person and work of Jesus Christ. To pray the widow's prayer then is to pray, give me righteousness. Not what I deserve or what I have earned, but what Jesus has earned for my sake by his obedience unto death. Our prayer then is that God would give us what he has promised us in Christ. Now the other temptation today is to believe the maxim that says justice delayed is justice denied. We hear that a lot. But although the appearance of God's kingdom and his justice may seem to be delayed, yet he will give justice. He has given justice. His justice, his righteousness. He has already given that to you in your baptism. And there too, his kingdom has come. And here too this morning, his kingdom also comes to you as you participate in the foretaste of the, of the feast to come, as the very body and blood of Christ is given into your very mouth. And if our loving Father gives you this day the body and the blood of his Son, will he not also, along with him, give you all things? So do not lose heart, dear Christian saints, when dark days come. 
In Christ Jesus, your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has already been answered. The righteous judge has fulfilled and will continue to fulfill for you all of his promises. And therefore, Paul can say in Philippians 4, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.